Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. I want to go this morning to the book of Ruth, chapter number one. Begin reading in verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he, his wife, and his two sons. And the name of the man was Eliminate. The name of his wife was Naomi. The name of his two sons were Milan and Kilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years, a season of time for about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died. Also both of them and the woman was left of her two sons and of her husband. Verse number 6. So the woman arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord That the Lord had visited his people, giving them bread. She heard that back where she came from, the Lord had visited the people and had given them bread. Amen. My thought to you this morning is there is bread in this house. There is bread in this house. You may be seated today. This morning I simply reiterate again another old, old story. This, this love story that's lodged strategically as I mentioned a moment ago. It tells us the story of a family. It shares with us the tragedy of what befell them. And then eventually it shows us how the family overcame those particular issues. But the storyline tells us that a famine had come to Bethlehem, Judah. That a dry spell, a dry time had come to this area of Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem, the definition of Bethlehem, is known as the house of bread. And a dry season had come, famine had come to the house of bread. And during that season when there was a spiritual testing and trial... This season when there was no harvest and this season when, when that there was not a lot of exciting things going on. Their famine had come and the gentleman Elimelech and his wife and his two sons began to cast about to find a little more work and find maybe a little, a little bit better way to make ends meet. This man, his wife and sons had been born, all of them born. And had been raised in this house of bread. 
They'd been born in this place where the provision of God always had been. But there had come a season to the house of bread, to the house of God, that, that there was not the harvest at that season that had been in other times. And so when they, when they felt the struggle, when they felt the struggle of the immediate famine that was going on, he began to look around and he, he took his family and, and began to move them. He, he, he moved them as he searched for food and he searched for work and he searched to satisfy the hungers and desires that they needed. In so doing, he, he felt like he would leave the house of bread. And there, the scripture tells us from what we read this morning that he, he took residence up in a land called Moab. He left that house of bread and there he, he took place and he took residence in a place that was always known to be an anti-God, anti-people of God, anti-truth environment. You see, understanding where Moab, the country, came from, you've got to look back and you see Lot, the, the nephew of Abraham, when he was forced from Sodom and Gomorrah, you find that in a moment of helplessness and desperation... That, that, that his daughters, his two daughters that survived the holocaust of Sodom and Gomorrah with him. They got their father drunk one night. And they, they all had this incestuous uh, relationship thing. And both of those girls were with child from their father. And the country, uh, the children that were born were known as Moab and Ammon. And whenever you find the, the, the names of Moabites and the Ammonites mentioned in the scripture... They were always completely against the people of God. They always would fight. You'd always find Israel at war with the Moabites and the Ammonites. It's Moab, this anti-God, incestuously started group of people. But now, at this point in time, you find, you find this man, Elimelech, whom, through a dry season, his own spirit, his own house of bread, where he was familiar with, he... He took his family from the place he'd always known. He placed them into this community of, of Moab. And there, as, as he lived for a season of some ten years, we find this period of time mentioned, that, that there things begin to happen to their family. Uh, we look and we see that the boys were growing up. We look and see that they would take wives from the Moabite girls. And, and we look and see that at a certain point that a bad report came from the doctor and Elimelech soon was in a terminal, a fight for his life with a terminal disease. And it wasn't but just a short period of time that Elimelech had passed away, leaving the beautiful Naomi to be a widow. There alone in a strange country with two sons and two strange daughters-in-law. And just with a short period of time, within this 10-year frame of time, we find that both of those boys, Milan and Kilion, both of them became sick or both of them passed away. We, we don't know how or why that they passed away. We just simply have the accounting of the scripture that both sons were gone. And so was that, so was that husband leaving this dear lady, Naomi, to, to deal with them. Two widowed daughters-in-law and her own broken heart from her husband. Her own grieved spirit from the loss of her sons. And, and, and we, do, we do know that this series of events unfolded and it was a tragic time. And, and it, was, it was during this tragic time, this time of pressures and, and problems, somehow her heart 
begin to turn towards home. And, and we, we understand that she began a little more uh, attuned to the things that were happening back where they came from. And so with, with this woman with two daughters-in-law and no, her son's dead and no hopes of grandchildren. And, and it seeming like the end of a life and just tragedy completely. Uh, and her security of her old age now being removed. We, we see this woman as she begins to listen she listened. And as she listened and felt the pains of grief, uh, she, she got along with God on a more than occasion. Because when you're grieving and when you're hurting, uh, even though you may not let anybody else know about it, uh, you have those alone moments with God. Uh, they may be in the midst of anger and you'll yell at God, God, why did this happen to me? Or it may be in the midst of brokenness, which is just overwhelmed sense where you're trying to bargain with God to, to roll back the calendar and fix my life. But, but there was those moments that she got alone with God. And, and when she was there in the midst of that grief, an old hunger began to be stirred in Naomi. And, and so she, she was beginning to be a hunger for the things of the past, the things of her roots. And, and year, years ago, um, years ago, she could remember there was a season, a dry spell in the house of bread that, that caused she and her husband to leave that place and, and seek a new place. But she soon discovered that just because she found a new place didn't mean she would satisfy the hungers. That were deep in the core of her spirit. And so here she was. Uh, looking back. And we don't know exactly how, how it all happened. But I do know that there had to be a tingling of hunger deep in her spirit. There had to be a sense uh, of regret. And wish I could redo some of this uh, over again. It would all be different if I got another chance of life. This indicates that there may well have been. There may well have been a, 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 a spiritual famine in her life that brought her to this place. And while she lived in Moab, we find no mark and we find no indication that there was a famine in Moab. But at this point in her life, we find her again right in the middle of yet another spiritual famine in her own spirit. So I, I don't know how it transpired. Just use your imagination with me. Maybe she got to thinking of home and maybe, maybe she looked on her Facebook one day and she saw an old friend's name from home and she friended him. And before long, she saw that, that from Bethlehem, the house of bread, there was a, there was a community group that she, she joined up. And maybe, I don't know, maybe she, maybe she got connected up to the Bethlehem County police reporter. I, I don't know exactly what it was. I, I see, I'm, I'm speaking in, in, in Montgomery County language that most of you people are connected to. I, I can see that right here, but I don't know exactly what, what she got connected to, but, but she started seeing things and remembering things and and the bible tells us that that word came to her that the lord had visited bethlehem judah the lord had visited the house of bread and with that visitation he had brought bread back he had brought bread back to that place where she had left. Uh, this stirred something deep in her core spirit. Uh, this made her want to click and find more. This, this made her want to make, make the journey home and see, see maybe what she could find. She, she gets the word that there's bread in Bethlehem. That there's, that there's been a visitation of the Almighty back in the house of bread where she left. And, and that visitation has come. And that visitation has brought the answer of prayers. And it's brought provision. And it's brought hope back to the place that she came from. And 
now she lives in a place a long way from God, a long way from where she's from. But she's got a hunger for that visitation and that witness and that bread that she had as a child and as a young person coming up. She remembered it and she wanted it. You see, apparently this family had done well during those years of sojourn in Moab. Apparently there was no, there was no issues really with finances for them. Uh, apparently they could live okay and she was taking care of her two daughters-in-law. But just because she found a bit of prosperity in Moab, that couldn't at all satisfy the hunger and the, of the desire that was deep in the core of her spirit. And she got wind that there was a visitation from God in her homeland. And it caused a pounding in her spirit to the point she decided that I've got to get back to that place of visitation. I've got to get back to that place of bread. I've got to get back to a place where I know there's substance. I've got to get back to a place I know that there is provision. I've got to get back to that place I know that will satisfy my core desires and my core being. I've got to get where there's some depth. I've got to get where there's some truth. I've got to get where there's some apostolic prayer. I've got to get where there's some moving of the Holy Ghost. And I've got to get where there's a power and the demonstration of the Spirit that I knew back then. And that hunger in her began to build. You see, it had been a long time since she'd had a visitation from God. It had been a long time since she'd felt the waves of the Holy Ghost sweep over her. It had been a long time since she'd been to a Saturday night prayer meeting. It had been a long time since she'd been to a Wednesday night Bible study. And while there may have been blessings in Moab, there was visitation in Bethlehem. And I've come this morning to talk about a visitation that can happen in your life. And I've come today to talk about a visitation that happens in the house of bread. And I've come to bring faith and hope and promise and a confidence in the Spirit to somebody today. There is bread in this house. There is provision in this house. There is hope in this house. And while there might be some blessings outside, there's nothing that equals a visitation of the Holy Ghost in our lives today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're dealing with stuff, what you need is you don't need another psychiatrist. You don't need more pills. And I'm not belittling that. But what you need is the visitation of the Holy Ghost in your life. Hallelujah. While in Bethlehem, the Lord was visiting. And while in Bethlehem, the Lord was allowing. And while in Bethlehem, there was satisfaction coming back to the house. And there was peace in the house. And there was restoration in the house. And oh yeah, you can't argue the fact that the house of bread been through a dry spell and been through a season. But God hadn't forgot them and God hadn't left them. And when He arrived back on the scene, He brought that provision. He brought that peace. And He brought that, He brought that visitation. There is nothing to me today that would be more incredible as if there was a visitation of that same spirit in this house this Sunday morning. There would be nothing more incredible today than to see somebody be connected again, reconnected to the visitation of the spirit that they knew at another time, another generation, another place in their life. And hunger and inward longings was gone from the house of bread at this point. And true peace and true love and true happiness had been, been flooding into the place where the visitation, the famine, the famine had left the house of bread. And the void that had been left because of that season of time was filled with, might I say it this way, the peace of God that passes 
all understanding. The pain and remorse of yesteryear was filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost. And there was something in her spirit that says, I want that place where there's a visitation of the Holy Ghost. You see, we must realize some things in the day that we live in. There, there, may, there, may, be, there may be some blessings here or there. But there's a visitation in Bethlehem. And there might have been a good sensation here or there. And somebody might sing some new Jesus songs and got a great radio channel or whatever. But the fact is, all of that stuff is neat and nice. But it never begins to get close to a visitation of the Holy Ghost. It takes hunger from the house. It takes hunger from the soul. And it feels, I come to tell you this morning, there's bread in this house. No synthetics. No easy feel-goods. No, no cheap experiences. But the deep feeling flow of visitation. There comes a time, I don't know how many of you folks have, have are, are, eat a lot of junk food, but I think that I think junk food is the norm in America right now. If I ask how many of you had stopped at a fast food place the last seven days, every one of you would probably raise your hand because you've been through at least one, one a day, that is. And, and we, 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 live, we live on the run. And so we've learned our, our favorite little spots to run into. And we, we tell ourselves this is healthy and great. Last night before we came to prayer meeting, my wife was hungry. And so we decided we'd run through that nutritious place called Sonic. And so, so I asked her, do you have a dollar so we can tip the girl? She said, I don't have a dollar to my name. I don't have a dollar either, baby. We can't go to Sonic to get some of their nutritious stuff. So, so we went to this place called Arby's. I hate Arby's. <laughs> Food's good, but I hate the experience. Because I go into Arby's and we go through the line and it's $20 for us to eat a meal right there sitting in the front seat of the car. I could go to Luby's and get a real meal for that. Uh, I mean, I could go to the lunch menu down at, uh, at, at, uh, at, down at Saltgrass and get a real meal. But here I am on the front seat on a wet, cold night eating a $20 meal of Arby's and I hate it. But we, we go through life and we have quick fixes and we, we, get, those, we get those quick meals. But there's, there's a time that we just, we just decide, I need something home cooked. And when you can get that home cooked meal, it doesn't get sweet. Just think about it. Pot roast. Potatoes soaking in all the juice and gravy. Big old honking carrots just there daring you to sneak one when nobody's looking. Think about it. Corn and green beans and maybe some rice and bread. And when you sit down to that, you have to have help to leave the table. And when the meat's all gone and the carrots are gone and the potatoes gone, and there's nothing but a few driplets of that gravy stuff left in the bottom of the bowl. Now, I'm preaching straight to somebody now. There's always the bread. And I don't care if it's a, if it's a yeast row that somebody put a top knot on that thing. and A monogram, the yeast row. Or it can be yet last week's wonder bread that's left over inside of the pantry. And you, you're kind of worried about it. That might already be growing some stuff for you. But if you can get that bread, that's going to top that thing off. 
And you can take the heel of an old wonder loaf of bread and throw it down to the bottom of that thing of gravy. And you have just entered into a place of euphoric glee. Is there a witness in the house? Amen. And there comes a place in living for God that I just got to have the bread. I just, it doesn't have to be fancy bread. It can be the end of a wonder loaf. That's fine. I got to have a Wednesday night Bible study. I got to have an old, dead, dry, cold Sunday morning. But I know there's truth there. And I know, and I know that, there's, that there's power there. And I, but most of all, when I, I get that bread, I know there's, there's visitation with that bread. And, and I've come this morning to bring visitation to somebody in this room today. And God knows what's going on. He knows where you've been. He knows your details. And he don't give a flip about none of that. And he's ready to let blessings come back into your life. He's ready to sweep a visitation of the Spirit. You've been feeling tears all morning. You've been feeling stirred deep down in your heart. Because you just get in the whiff of, of some bread that God has visited. And got prepared for you. And you can't understand why the emotions want to respond like they do. It's because, because it's a sense of, of a visitation of the Spirit that God's allowed into the house and you feel it and you want it and you're willing to respond to that today. So I come with that this morning. That's my purpose. And that is my goal today. You see, a church and a people can't live on just worship and shouting and a song and standards and offerings and sensations and fads. It's got to have some bread. You just can't live on, 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 on guest preachers and fancy songs and Christmas programs and, 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 neat, and, and neat social gatherings, but you got to have some bread. you got to have some protection of the Spirit. you got to have some fellowship with brothers. you got to have some acceptance from the Lord. you got to have some unity and some revival. You've got to have some freedom of the Spirit. you got to have what comes with some, with some brotherhood. you got to have a witness of the Holy Ghost. you got to have some peace and some comfort and some joy. And that's what you find when you get a loaf of bread of the Spirit and realize there's visitation in this place. you got to have a man of God in your life. Because that's what helps bring bread to you freshly. You gotta have that hope. You gotta have that deliverance. You gotta have that healing. You gotta have that witness of the Holy Ghost. You gotta have that divine manifestation in, in your life. And I suggest this morning, I suggest this morning there's a visitation in this place that is absolutely so incredible. So, Naomi, what are you gonna do with this scenario now, honey? Naomi. She's heard that there's visitation. And she's longing for what she can remember. So I pose the question, what do you do when you get a report of a visitation? Or what do you do? How do you respond when there's a report of bread in the house? How do you do? How do you respond when that moment comes in your life? How do you do this? Well, let's just look at this dear lady, Naomi. And maybe... She'll help us a little bit. For Naomi, the Bible says, she rose up. There comes a point when you, when you get the report that you just have to stand up. Time to get up. The prodigal got the report and he got up out of the pig pen. And others have got the report and they, they rose up and they began to, to move in a new direction. You've got to make a decision. I'm going 
to where there's visitation. Now, we can want it, but until we settle in our mind and spirit that I'm going to go where there's a visitation, I'm going to dwell where there's visitation, it's all talk. It's all just news on the Facebook. It's just all reports from home. It's all there, but, but you got to make your mind up. And so then she began to tell those daughters-in-law that she was responsible for girls. I've been looking at my Facebook, and I'm seeing some reports. I made a few text messages back to some kin folks I hadn't talked to in a long time. And there's a great harvest. There's a visitation at home. There's something inside of me that wants to go. So, girls, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to head back in the morning, and I'd like, you, I'd like you two girls just to go back where you came from. And those two Moabite girls, one of them, one of them said, you know, I'll just go back to Dad's house. But that other one, Ruth, she said, oh, no. If you think that you're going to go to that place of visitation that you've told me about and not take me, you got another fault coming. Because if you're going to where there's a visitation, then I'm going where there's a visitation. And if you're going where there's bread, then I'm going where there's bread. And we're going to do this together, and I'm sticking to you, and I'm not turning you loose. And so you go, I go. And so you know the story, Ruth made the journey with her. At this point, Ruth began to cleave. She claved to her mother. The Bible says she claved to her. She clung to that, to that intermediary person that was going to get her to a place of visitation. Don't ask me to go on living like I've lived all my life. I don't want to live in this ungodly atmosphere of Moab anymore. If you're going to, have, if you're going to a visitation from God, I'm going to a visitation from God. If you're going to live in the midst of the visitation of bread, I'm going to do that. Your people are going to be my people. I'm going to worship the same way that you worship from this point forward. You see, here is this young lady who really has no cognizance of what it is to ever stand in the presence of God. She was raised as a Moabite. She was raised in an ungodly atmosphere. And here she was. She, all she had was reports from her mother-in-law. That there was bread and there was a visitation from God. And there was the power and the glory and the wonder of the Spirit where she came from. That's all she had. And when the mother-in-law decided, I've got to go back to a visitation spirit. Something in this woman's spirit says, you know, if you go, I go. Because I, too, must have a visitation from God. I really don't think it was the bread. I, don't really, I really don't think it was a Mrs. Baird's truck sitting on every corner that drew them back. I don't think it was Miss Schubert's yeast rolls and every oven in the, in the town that was drawing them. I really think there was something in the visitation where God had visited his house and given them bread. It wasn't the bread. It was the visitation of the Spirit. I wish you'd stand with me this morning. I sense such a a hunger for that visitation here today. I'm done. It's it's early. It's it's not even eleven o'clock yet. But I, I sense a, a hunger this morning for that visitation of the Spirit. And as I prayed during the course of the week and I sought the Lord early this morning here, I began to really feel that compelling 
sense that hunger for a visitation would be at church today. And so I've simply come this morning just to let you know there's bread in this house.